last week on the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast, as well as some older stuff that obliterated Nate or was a little bit naughty. But you're lucky you're not an investment money management guy because you would have cost people millions in this case. And don't ever talk about Alvin Kamara again. And I'm pointing out the fact that you can't identify who's good and bad. And you've got take lock right now. And so what I'm saying is, is you have no idea what you're talking about. You have so many takes. You can't remember all your takes. And do you ever stop talking? How do you talk so much? And close your mouth. And no, you got little baby skin. You got like newborn infant child skin. And what a stupid ass thing to say. And you take an anvil and just drop it on players because you don't have the nuts because you're full of shit and you know you are. And so what I'm saying is, is you have no idea what you're talking about. Welcome to another edition of the Sonic Truth Dynasty Podcast. I am your host, Ryan Lopes. You guys can find me on Twitter at StillRyan5. And with me, as always, the man himself, Mr. Matt Kelly, on Twitter at Fantasy underscore Mansion. Matt Kelly, always a pleasure, brother. We're back. Oh, we're back. We're a day late, but we're not a dollar short. We are a co-host short. There is no Nate List. He has been suspended after his baseless, disparaging remarks on the last show, outright lies, besperching my reputation, and you agree he should be ashamed of himself. So the show dropped. Matt, I kid you not, I had three DMs from various show watchers, patrons, buzzards, whoever they were, people I haven't interacted with the prior, people that all said the same thing. Ryan, Nate has gone too far. I immediately picked up my phone. I said, Nate, I don't know who these people are. I don't know what happened. What's going on, buddy? Nate gets on the phone. He calls me. He says, Ryan, you'll see, listen to the show, blah, blah, blah. Matt, I got to tell you, to this point, I have not listened to that show. Oh, come on! But! What do you mean? But, but, I can probably recite to you word for word the back and forth, just given all the information and timeline chatter and DMs that I've got. People have filled me in nonstop. And, And like I told Nate, just like I would tell you, this is, I can't pick between, you know, two very good, very good pals here. No one's asking you to pick. I'm asking you... To make a qualitative judgment <laughs> of the following remarks. Okay. Let's tee him up, Matt. Let's tee him up. Here we go. That my player analysis just isn't good. Flat isn't good, number one. And number two, that if I were an investment manager, I would have lost people millions of dollars just based on calling Alvin Kamara overrated before he was drafted, before he went to New Orleans. Uh, I'm going to speak on the latter real quick, the the financial side of things. Uh, as Nate knows, as many people can probably figure, you, the, what you have built, Matt, speaks for itself. The, the pod itself, the back and forth that you and Nate had, have, or continue, or will continue to have. We might. We might have. We might have. He has to apologize before he'll be reinstated. 
I don't think that's really going to affect the groundwork that you have so handsomely laid over the past, you know, several years. Uh, the the numbers, the track record, all that stuff speaks for itself. You would think you would think that Nate would appreciate this this platform. Yes, that I'm sharing with him. You would think that there would be a modicum of appreciation. Yes, but if you listen back to the show, which you haven't, and you should be ashamed of yourself for not preparing for the show by listening to the previous show. <laughs> There is not a whiff of appreciation. There's only bitter resentment coming from one Nate List. I think he might have just been having a bad day. I think it might have been that simple. But if you make mistakes on a bad day, you need to be held accountable. Well, again, I'm not. I'm not going to stand here and take sides. You, you two both are are very close to me. And- what did I do? What, what side? <laughs> There's no side. I didn't do anything. This was completely unprovoked. I said nothing in any way disparaging about Nate List, nor have I ever on this show. I've been nothing but supportive of him on this show. Yes. Well, that's not entirely true, but (laughs) it's not in any way true. But regardless, (laughs) he knows that he fucked up. He's trying to placate me with a retraction. And what I'm saying is a retraction is not enough, that a full apology is in order. And maybe one day you'll actually listen to that show and you'll be able to come up with your own opinion as opposed to being completely uninformed, which is what you are right now. I am. I'm going to argue that I'm not uninformed. I have Matt. I have the highlights, the lowlights and everything in between are are decorated over the timeline. So you've stitched together a transcript based on the feedback you've received from listeners. Yes, exactly right. That, that is a fair analysis. And uh, it's a place that I'm more comfortable being in because I can't possibly put the headphones on, Matt, and listen to this divide that, 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 that played out live. I believe this was a Sonic Truth live. And, uh, and you know, uh, again, I'm not going to sit here and speak for my good friend, Nate, who uh, I imagine he'll be back on in the hosting chair at some point, And you guys could have a you know, have it have it out and 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 mend any kind of fences, whatever the case may be. So I, I look forward to that, and I'm sure the viewers do as well. We'll see. We'll <laughs> see. We will see. We will see. We will see. Speaking of transcripts, you saw the transcript of the DMs between Bobby Sylvester and the women on Twitter. Yes, unfortunately, unfortunately, this is um. Gosh, man, we what you you summed it up um. Again, very, very eloquently. You know, I, I, I got in a DM from our guy Nick Ercolano, who, who threw Nate and I in a, in a group chat and just said, "Boys, something, something bad's popping off right now," and showed us, showed us the, uh, the tweet of, of whatever you know Bobby was trying to do to the, the poor young lady. And again, man, it's just a microcosm of what you know. We need to be better as a society, and this is something that obviously hits home for a lot of people that work in the fantasy industry because this is this was one of their own you know i I've never followed bobby I don't, I don't you know i i there's been some tweets that have come across my timeline where i, I said this is not a person that i align with this was before you know he was he was kind of outed for as you said just just canceled appropriately uh for, for for what he said so it's just it's just a shame man and you know again for 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 anyone and any one of these women that have kind of found themselves in that same spot it's 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 unacceptable there's no there's no two ways about it and uh, and Bobby again, like you said, rightfully canceled. Um, and and fantasy pros can 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 do a lot of good in this situation. Uh, a female co-host, a, a, as you suggested, would be a huge step 
in the right direction. And, and hopefully, you know, a lot, a lot of good comes out of a situation like this because, um, you know, what we saw over the, over the weekend was, was certainly a lot, a lot of bad and, and completely uncalled for. So did you weigh in on Twitter? I did not. I think I might've posted one of the, uh, one of the screenshots of, uh, you know, one of his past tweets that kind of raised a flag for me, something about the national anthem playing in, in a movie theater beforehand or something about how he, he wasn't going to stop going to church during the, 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 the start of this COVID pandemic. Just a lot of these decisions and, and opinions that he was putting out in the world onto the timeline, not things that I personally gravitate towards or agree with. So again, this is something that going back to this whole situation that him and I would have never saw eye to eye. And that's what, no, I'm not someone that I followed. So didn't necessarily weigh in, but you know, it's just, uh, again, it was, a, as you said, a very dark day for fantasy sports Twitter. Bobby Sylvester, just another reason why I'm an atheist. Significant percentage of people that drape the cross over themselves mm. are raging hypocrites. And I've been called a hypocrite. I've been called a hypocrite on Twitter because I dared to weigh in on this. I dared to have a take on this. I didn't just repost something. I had a take. But I wanted my stream of consciousness thoughts on the subject to be out there for the world. The scandal happened the day I record the backstage pass. So I just flipped on the camera, turned the microphone on, and my thoughts on the Bobby Sylvester, the Bobby Sylvester Fantasy Pros controversy became the backstage pass. And what I'm going to do for the Sonic Truth audience is, in lieu of outtakes today, we are going to replay that full backstage pass after the show. So you can get a sense of what you're missing if you're not subscribed, if you haven't joined us, the community, on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash podfather. I do a show like that every fucking week. If you like real talk, then subscribe to the channel on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash podfather, because to me, it's more powerful to speak out as opposed to write out because tweets can be sanitized you can write and rewrite and rewrite and edit for hours before you put your official position on bobby sylvester out to the world and that's why so many tweets are toothless they just get diluted to such an extent that why even bother why even bother everyone feels the need to rush out and pile on rush out and pile on on social media, and I actually did not do that. I laid out thoughts on the matter that go way beyond Bobby Sylvester and Fantasy Pros on the backstage pass. That was the medium I chose, and a vlog is much more authentic than a tweet. It's your raw, unadulterated thoughts on the matter with no editing. What you heard on that show is exactly what I think of Fantasy Pros and exactly what I think of Bobby Sylvester and exactly what I think of the heavily male demographic that we face in fantasy football. And yet, and yet, I was called a hypocrite on social media. I'm a hypocrite. Why? Because, because we don't have a woman host either. And I'm like, wait a second. What are you talking about? I just did a show with Liz Loza. What the fuck are you talking about? I have one regular co-host, and it happens to be a guy named Nate Liss who's suspended. <laughs> and the only reason he's my co-host is because we have great rapport after he invited me to be his co-host four years ago. And then I slowly took over the show. 
ripped it away from him. It's funny how that works. And the rapport is the reason why he is a regular co-host. That's the reason. Just like when he's not available, you're the co-host because you and I have rapport. We know each other. We're friends. We've hung out. We both live in Connecticut together. We're friends. If a woman had asked me to be on her podcast four years ago and then I stole it from her, she would be the co-host now, not Nate, not you. That's just the butterfly effect of decisions that were made four or five years ago that impact today. But the hypocrisy accusation goes further, Ryan. Mm-hmm. I have been accused of alienating women by using a boner sound effect. Oh, boy. That fucking happened. That was a critique of the show shared on social media in response to me posting a link to the Patreon show. (laughs) If you dare wade in, you must be pure. The purity test is the fucking worst. You can't have an opinion until you pass a purity test. Well, guess what? Nobody's pure. There are no perfect people, which means by definition, every critic is a hypocrite. Our show isn't accessible to women because we drop a boner sound effect on occasion. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) Shut the fuck up. Just shut the fuck up. You can scroll through my Twitter timeline. You won't see me accusing others of hypocrisy. That's not an argument. Claiming hypocrisy is not an argument. Every messenger is flawed, and a flawed messenger does not make a statement any less true. I am flawed. But I'm not dropping the boner sound effect from the show or a reference to masturbation in the opening just to pander to the purity test buzzards. If a man or a woman doesn't find it funny, they can find another fucking podcast. The boner stays. (laughs) Put that on a bumper sticker. The boner stays, man. Give it to me on a, on, a, on a hoodie or something like that for when the, when the weather gets colder. I want to wear it. Oh, and I said the word blowjob once. That's right. Yeah. I was refuting the idea that robust RB is like wearing two condoms. Oh, boy. So I explained that zero RB people have no shot at foreplay or experimental sex. <laughs> what an analogy. And that was surfaced in the Twitter comments as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can't use the word blowjob on a podcast. You can't call something what it is. If you want your show to be accessible to women, Podfather, you need to call it fellatio. Goodness. That kind of that kind of makes me feel a little a little more uncomfortable, the word fellatio. What do these prudes want to call it? <laughs> blowjobs happen, bro. Deal with it. And sometimes blowjobs get talked about. It doesn't make the show inaccessible. The word blowjob in and of itself is not sexist. Fuck you. I did not think we were saddling up for a for a blowjob monologue. As we, as we walked in this room, but God bless you, Matt Kelly. We were supposed to focus on Darius Geis' suspension. Yes. That's what we're supposed to focus on. Here we are. Did you hear Darius Geis got suspended? Because we've been asked to comment on this Darius Geis suspension and the inevitable breakout of Antonio Gibson. Do you think Antonio Gibson's breakout is inevitable, Ryan? I do, and I think he's, he's, not, he's not lined up as a sure thing in 2020 that said if you were smart and you gathered them in your dynasty leagues early if you 
you know, Scott Fishbowl, 14th round pick, 15th round pick for me. These, there was value to be had at one point. Well, you drafted Antonio Gibson in the Scott Fishbowl? Yes, sir. 14th round for me. Hey! Look at Brian! Look at the big brain on Ryan! Love Antonio. Hey, this is, Kelly. How does your hat and hoodie fit your brain? <laughs> it's too big. It's tight. It's keeping me warm. It's tight now. It must be tight, man. It's tight. I um this Kelly, you got out far ahead of it, and you you had the banner. You you had the banner printed. You dubbed Antonio Gibson the next David Johnson. Yeah, he's a combination. I call him a combination of David Johnson and Joe Mixon. That's sexy. That's a, that's a sexy player. You he's a very sexy player. You pull him up on PlayerProfile.com. You see Joe Mixon's face as as the best comparable. 99th percentile speed score. 98th percentile 40 yard dash. Oh God. Oh my God. Converted wide receiver, running with the wide receivers in Washington. Um, as you pointed out, as many others have pointed out, um, you know, the, it, one of the issues right now is that it's Washington. Um, Profile-wise, if you if you snatched Gibson when the value was there prior to the Geist news, you should be applauding yourself. Right process. You're attracted to the right profile, and you should be happy about it. Now, the problem is you want to get Gibson right now. That that's that's not that's not gonna happen for for any sort of value, any sort of decent price. So that you got You got to take that off the table. This Darius Geis news is heartbreaking on several levels. I can no longer trade for Antonio Gibson. His ADP is a weather balloon, and it's just it's gone. Gone forever. It's gone. Because everyone has playerprofiler.com. Everyone's going to Player Profiler and typing in Antonio Gibson. I can see he's one of the most he's one of the top five most searched players on playerprofiler.com. Of course he is. And they see a 122.8 99th percentile speed score, knowing that speed score is one of the most predictive metrics on the board. And at 228 pounds with a 12.7% college target share, 88th percentile, he has the complete skill set. And talking to Byron Murphy and Alex Dunlap from Roster Watch, they recognize it right away. They recognize it on day one at the Senior Bowl. Oh, wow. This Antonio Gibson's a player. Look at this guy. Look at this guy. I was like, wait, 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 wait what? What did I, what am I, what? And they're like, the kid from Memphis, the kid from Memphis, check out the kid from Memphis. And then sure enough, whoa, oh, oh yeah, okay. He had 56 targets last year. Mm-hmm. 38 receptions for 735 receiving yards. He's involved. He got involved. Do the math on the yards per reception. Spoiler alert, it's really good. <laughs> He's going to be good. I'm just not sold on him this year. That's the problem. Why? Washington. Mm-hmm. Washington competing for touches with Adrian Peterson and Peyton Barber and Bryce Love. I'm not going to have any Antonio Gibson in seasonal leagues, and I'm not going to get any more of him in Dynasty for at least three months. He may get relegated at the NFL level. He could easily fumble in week two and have his carries completely taken off the table and only line up as a receiver you can see that happening you can see that happening starting week one you can see that happening from week one on that they just simply deploy him as a receiver because kelvin Harmon tore his acl this doesn't get talked about enough the kelvin Harmon acl tear might actually be more impactful 
than the Darius Geis suspension on Antonio Gibson. The Darius Geis suspension impacts Adrian Peterson the most. Adrian Peterson goes from a backup to a starter. So he, by definition, is the big winner for this season. But if you go to the Dynasty Rankings, playerprofiler.com forward slash player rankings, we have the recent change. And when you're calculating lifetime value of the player, by far and away the biggest change after this news was Antonio Gibson. But it's a runaway train ADP at this point. The the price point on Antonio Gibson is going to overshoot. We know it. We know it. We know it. You can see it coming just based on the trending terms on Twitter, just based Mm -hmm. on the sheer number of Antonio Gibson tweets. Oh, yeah. I mean, how many times has Antonio Gibson's player profiler screenshot been <laughs> handed around on Twitter just in the last few days? It's yeah, we've been inundated. Annoying. For sure. It's yeah. annoying because we identified him before this news right? as a sleeper, as a guy you wanted to stash who could break out next year, just like Chris Godwin. Right? I was way ahead on Chris Godwin, and now I can't get him. Now he's being overdrafted. Now I don't have any Chris Godwin. Antonio Gibson is this year's Chris Godwin for me. And, oh, I love him. Love him. Love him. Love him. Love him. Can't get him. Can't get him. Can't get him. Love him to death. Can't get him. Want him. Can't get him. The guy I'm going to be getting more of is guess who? Darius Geis. Why? Because we've seen this movie before. It's called Kareem Hunt's Career. Hasn't this movie played out? Guy gets arrested on a domestic violence charge, gets released and then gets picked up by another team, Darius Geis clears waivers today. The situation that, that Geis was in seems to me to be a, a good bit more serious. Uh, and again, they're all, all that, all, all the off-field stuff, all, the, all those kind of run-ins and, and issues, domestic violence, whatever category they fall in, they're all serious. The stuff that's coming out with the Geis case um, is, it's, 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 it's pretty bad. It's the similar genre of movie, but it's a different movie. The details are more horrifying. Violent acts that took place around other people in a hotel lobby for Kareem Hunt versus a one-on-one violent act in the home by Darius Geis where a woman was put to sleep. That's terrifying. There's so many that, as a fantasy footballer, you can't afford to take a moral stand and say, I'm not going to have any of these players on my fantasy team because you would be at a competitive disadvantage. So Darius Geis is going to be a value at some point if he doesn't go to jail, right? If he doesn't go to jail, if for whatever reason these charges are dropped, if he goes to jail, it's over. We know it's over, right? So if you go to jail, it's over. But there's still time between now and when Darius Geis goes to jail and In the meantime, if you're a rational fantasy gamer, you just have to monitor the situation. That's all you can do. We we shouldn't have to caveat any of this by saying, just reminding me, because I I saw a a tweet back and forth between Davis Maddock, JJ Zacharyson today. Just because we sit here as fantasy football players talking about these players and we roster them and we draft them doesn't mean we're sitting here condoning any of this stuff. That's again, that shouldn't even have to be said. But the, but the fact that it does get talked about, I'm, I'm throwing that out there, right? There's just too many players with violent acts in their history for anyone to claim that they have never drafted a Tyreek Hill, a Joe Mixon, a Kareem Hunt. There's too many. There's no morally pure fantasy gamer. They don't exist. Go look at all your best ball rosters, all your DFS lineups. I guarantee 
There's a Joe Mixon in there somewhere. There's a Tyree Kill in there somewhere. There's a Kareem Hunt in there somewhere. So fuck out of here with your moralizing. I'm not saying go get Darius Geis right now. I'm saying this is a situation to monitor. And that if it looks like he's not going to serve jail time, then my guess is he's going to be back in the league. What about Bryce Love? There was a report back in April from some NBC outlet that, um, you know, again, this goes back to April. So a few months ago where, you know, they were they were very up in the air about Love's future, given the knee injuries and the injuries sustained. And there was a report maybe a week ago at this point um, that said Love was cleared. Love is ready to go. He's cleared, man. That's it. Yeah. we It's wheels up for Bryce Love. Uh, anyone that watched his time at Stanford uh, knows what kind of explosive player he is. Uh, I personally hesitate towards knee knee related injuries and what we were fed about Bryce Love's recovery prior to his all clear. Um, but he's probably going out of place. You know, there's there's certainly value to 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 be gobbled up. Uh, you kind of alluded to it earlier. The Washington backfield is generally a question mark, uh, even with AP being being the the you know the de facto winner. Uh, so I think you can't really fault someone for, you know, gravitating or chasing a Bryce Love, given where he's currently going in, in, in drafts. 2,118 yards on 8.1 yards per carry in his, in his junior year at Stanford. How about that? Monster. How about that? Is that good, Ryan? Is that good? It sounds, it sounds pretty, pretty, pretty good. And he's not a bad receiver. He had 15 receptions sharing a backfield with Christian McCaffrey as a true freshman. And then he put up 20 receptions, which is that magical threshold for a college running back in his final season, where he only played 10 games Mm -hmm. because he was hurt. And he was picked only one round after Antonio Gibson. Antonio Gibson was an early third rounder. Bryce Love was an early fourth rounder. And Bryce Love has a lot more experience in a running back role than Antonio Gibson. So you're not allowed to be surprised when Bryce Love actually operates as the satellite back to Adrian Peterson and or Peyton Barber's grinder role in Washington with Antonio Gibson playing more in line as a receiver. Mm -hmm. We don't know. We don't know how they're going to be deployed. So you cannot run out to best case scenario on any of these guys. It's just that Bryce Love is a hell of a lot more affordable than... Antonio Gibson, does he have Antonio Gibson's upside? No, but he's the best value in this backfield. Of all the guys that you can go out and get in Dynasty, it's Bryce Love who's actually affordable, not Antonio Gibson. Mm -hmm. But somehow Nate's going to boomerang this take back at me and tell people I lost millions of dollars because I wasn't bullish enough on Antonio Gibson after Darius Geis was released. (laughs) Oh, no. Thanks a lot, future Nate. Poor Nate, man. I just... (laughs) now of all the rookie running backs Antonio Gibson's not the best value the big difference between Alvin Kamara going to the Saints four years ago and Antonio Gibson is it's fucking Washington (laughs) right it's fucking Washington when you're looking at Washington I want exposure to the passing game not the running game this is a team that's going to be losing with one of the worst secondaries in the league It's the same case for Carolina. In Carolina, you want Teddy Bridgewater. You want Curtis Samuel. You want DJ Moore. You want Robbie Anderson. You want Christian McCaffrey. You want Ian Thomas. You want assets in the passing game. Because Carolina has a bad defense facing a lot of negative game script. 
The same is true in Washington. So if you're going to invest in Washington players, focus on the passing game, not the running game. What do you think of Steven Sims in Washington? He's another player that, you know, he was probably being talked up, talked about a lot, you know, pre-Scott Fishbowl kind of, you know, a month or so back. And I think his ADP has pretty much stayed right where um, right, right where he was going. Uh, and, and as you said, you want to start targeting these pass catchers who have their value to press because there's there's questions about Dwayne Haskins and the Washington environment in general. Um, so I, I think Sims is a, is a fine target. Uh, for me, it's pretty simple. If it's not Terry McLaurin, where I can get him, um, it was Antonio Gibson at, at one point, not anymore, as, as we both agreed on. I'm not too interested in really anything Washington related this year. Uh, maybe that's a naive take, but uh, yeah, for those who, who got Sims, uh, you know, late where he was going, hats off. We'll, we'll 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 roll the dice and see what happens. Sims is an excellent throw-in. He has a 50th percentile at College Dominator, so he was productive at Kansas at 5'9", 184. But he's a non-athlete with small hands. He just happens to have that je ne sais quoi factor. He knows how to get separation on the football field. 1.90 average yards of separation at target was top 10 on playerprofiler.com. His drop rate was top (laughs) 5. Blame the small hands. Mm. But he separates. He has that immeasurable quality. He just knows how to use his quickness, timing, reflexes, to get leverage on defenders on the football field. And it's traits like that that can't be taught that have a lot of value when you get thrust into a starting lineup. And he's going to be the starter. It's bizarre that his ADP has remained parked after the Kelvin Harmon ACL tear. It's just weird. It's weird. It's the same with Brandon Ayuk. I expected Brandon Ayuk's ADP to skyrocket like Antonio Gibson's, but it didn't. After Debo Samuel, hello, broke his damn foot. <laughs> Kelvin Harmon tore his damn ACL. And yet there's Steven Sims just hanging out at a very reasonable price point in Dynasty, and it doesn't make sense. When you look at a guy like Brandon Ayuk, do you think he'll outproduce all rookies in year one, given that he's projected to be the number one receiver on the outside to start the year in San Francisco? Yeah, we, we, we detailed IU plenty, you know, this offseason, Juco, all this stuff is profile. Where we are at now uh, is a very is a much more favorable situation and environment in San Francisco under a Kyle Shanahan, under a proven offense versus whatever's going on in, in Washington. So to say that Ayuk is certainly set up better would 100 percent agree with that. Uh, to your point, very odd that he really the needle hasn't moved a ton given the Debo news. And I think I saw, you know, a blurb a week or so ago where he's not even guaranteed for week one, week two. You know, this could be something that bleeds into the to early in the season. Um, and again, the, the 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 San Francisco offense is favorable to answer your question. What I think they do is revert back to, you know, continue to lean on the, on George Kittle, continue to lean on on the running backs, you know, Shanahan will dial up a lot more scripted stuff out of the backfield. Uh, We don't have to talk about it, but your guy, Jarek McKinnon, is apparently healthy. I wonder if he gets more involved. Jalen Hurd, also healthy. Another player that I like a lot. Again, we talk about value and where these players are going. Jalen Hurd is someone that I'm uh, a lot more, uh, you know, comfortable throwing that dart at. Um, 
So again, Ayuk certainly someone to monitor because he isn't moving a ton. We want to scoop up that value, uh, but not a player that I necessarily am going out of my way for. If that if that makes sense, I am. Seven players on the breakout finder have a forty plus Ooh. breakout rating. Have a breakout rating above forty. Number one is Ceedee Lamb, who's one of the top ten best prospects in the history of the breakout finder. Mm-hmm. Then Lavisca Chenault. Brian Edwards, T. Higgins, Jalen Rager, Justin Jefferson, Brandon Ayuk. That's the list. That is the list. Brandon Ayuk, and now that he has first-round draft capital and will be sitting in the number one wide receiver chair to start the season, you could argue the breakout rating should be above 50 if the Mm -hmm. breakout finder knew all of these nuanced details about Brandon Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk was a monster producer at the junior college level. And the only reason he wasn't a monster producer in his junior year at Arizona State is because he was competing for targets with, hello, a first-round pick in Nikhil Harry. Right. So I am on board with Brandon Ayuk. It took me a long time. It took me a very long time. It wasn't until he showed up with a top breakout rating on the breakout finder that I was finally sold on Brandon Ayuk. But here we are. Just go to the app store, type in breakout finder, and get the app. We look at all the metrics on wide receivers. We've looked at every detail on a wide receiver's prospect profile from dynamic score, teammate score, of course, metrics like college dominator and breakout age and speed score to develop breakout ratings for all these receivers. But I have some bad news. When I listed those receivers with top breakout ratings, Mm -hmm. did you note who was missing? Who was missing? You said Brian Edwards. You said you said you said nine nine names. Was 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 Henry Ruggs not there? I didn't list Henry Ruggs. He's not in the top seven. Hmm. How do you feel about that? I want to first say that I'm very excited that Ruggs comes up every time I'm here. I'll talk about Ruggs all fucking day, Kelly. I I like Henry Ruggs, and I know we're gonna lead into a Brian Edwards uh, discussion here, which I'm I'm also here for. I love Ruggs, and I love Ruggs because John Gruden doesn't give a fuck. John Gruden is going to tee up. All the volume, not only for rugs, but guys like Edwards are going to benefit from this as well. But John Gruden came out and said in one of his recent interviews, he he expects to fast track these guys. So I came on the show last time and I talked about 100 targets off the bat for Henry Ruggs. Now he doesn't appear in the breakout finder. The breakout finder does not like Henry Ruggs. In fairness, mm-hmm. he is number eight. <laughs> So the next player below Brandon Ayuk is Henry Ruggs. And the only reason Henry Ruggs does not have a 40-plus breakout rating is because his breakout rating is (laughs) 39.7. We're close, Kevin. We're close. And if you want to be a dick about it, we can, you know, you you can debate decimals. Oh, 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 the arbitrary cutoff. Using the arbitrary cutoff to smear Henry Ruggs in front of Ryan Lopes, that was an underhanded tactic by the podfather. I admit it. I admit it. it was underhanded. I also believe that Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller are going to lead the Raiders in targets this year. I think you're looking at, I think there's two guys who are going to have 100 targets on the Raiders. It's Waller and it's Renfro. <sighs> and this is just the life of a rookie receiver. Most rookie receivers don't break out as rookies. They don't. That's why the sophomore breakout is a thing. DJ Chark had a handful of targets in his rookie year. And it's not like there was a lot of target competition in Jacksonville as a rookie. He just happened to be raw. He didn't have many targets or receptions at the college level. He was an athletic specimen 
who needed professional seasoning. And I believe that to be Henry Ruggs. I think that Brian Edwards is better equipped with more college experience. I mean, he has more than twice as many targets at the college level as Henry Ruggs Mm -hmm. and was more productive, more dominant at every level. It's why Brian Edwards is rated a lot higher on the breakout finder than Henry Ruggs. Because in a vacuum, if I were starting a franchise, I would rather have Brian Edwards than Henry Ruggs. Now, you could argue that Henry Ruggs is actually strategically more important because he stretches the field and he makes life easier for all the receivers in Las Vegas. And that would be a fair point. But I believe Brian Edwards to be a proper alpha. And you shouldn't be surprised when he out-targets Henry Ruggs this season. Yeah, and I don't I don't know that that happens off the bat. I as as a fan, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't complain one bit, but I, I think You've been tweeting about him. I, I was. I was. I and I love what I love about Henry Ruggs is, as you said, he lifts the lid. He has the speed. He is a deep threat. I just don't want the Raiders fandom because Henry Ruggs absolutely has tactical value for John Gruden and Derek Carr. Certainly. There's no question Certainly. about that. I just don't want that fact to cloud your judgment no. for fantasy football purposes. No, no. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here trying my best to, to make sure that isn't the case. Now, with Edwards... There, there is some conversation about where you know is he going to start outside? Is Ruggs really going to start inside? I know the guys over at Established to Run, Evan Silver, Adam Levitan, they came back, they pushed back against that initial report. So I'm curious to see how, since Brian Edwards, we're told, is healthy. Curious to see how John Gruden deploys these guys. For me, as I was saying with Ruggs, I, I just see a player that is so much more than just a deep threat. You know, a la Tyreek Hill, what, whatever the comparisons are. You think he's more than Tyreek Hill? No, no, I, I don't. I think he's more than just simply speed. I'm not saying that Tyreek Hill is simply speed, but these are their trade cards. These are what you think of Tyreek Hill. You think of the the blazing speed. Same with Henry Ruggs. I think John Gruden goes out of his way to put his stamp on taking someone like Ruggs, 12 overall, uh, over C.D. Lamb, over Jerry Judah, over the, the stacked class. Gruden pushed all those guys aside, Kelly, and said, Ruggs is my guy. I don't see a situation, even off the bat, where Gruden doesn't stand behind that and comp- and just funnel targets to this to this kid. Let him let him get open underneath. Let him use that speed and create after the catch. He doesn't just have to be a nine route. Go go down the field and get it. I think Gruden does a lot more, you know, underneath and manufactures a lot more. T- I I just love the volume. I love the path to volume. Uh, you know, and to your point, Renfro's there who gobbled up a lot last year. I'm concerned that Derek Carr is not a skill match. For Henry Ruggs, Derek Carr is a skill match for Hunter Renfro. He's more of a skill match for Brian Edwards. Not so much Henry Ruggs. You're not allowed to be surprised when Derek Carr uses Henry Ruggs as a decoy. You're just not allowed to be surprised. That's such a Derek Carr thing to do. No, you you don't you don't see a situation where he is leaning on Ruggs. Uh, you know, as he's done with. You know, a Jalen Richard out of the backfield, dump offs to the tight end. What just very simple, short, intermediate stuff. You don't see a situation where Ruggs is open because he's so quick. You know, and there is so much other talent around him now. You don't see a situation where Ruggs is the go-to, is is the first read. Perhaps, but we've never seen it. I mean, this is the ultimate fantasy wish casting. This idea that a player with Henry Ruggs profile 
a pure field stretcher at the college level would become a super versatile X receiver running a complete route tree at the NFL level in his rookie year at age 21, you could rub on a magic lamp. That's what I've been doing. And an actual genie could pop out. Yeah, rabbit's foot. And if you made that request, please make Henry Ruggs an all-purpose complete X receiver in year one. That's what I want. That's what I want. The genie would look at you and laugh. Would laugh in your face. I don't know, man. I just, I just think Gruden, Gruden's ego is going to drive this one. That is my very uh, unnuanced, not very analytical take. I think Gruden, Gruden hammers this one home. And, and again, that's, that's just where I've landed. It's what I've told myself. It's what I've convinced myself. Oh, oh, oh. We, we have this. This never happens. We have someone that's calling in. Someone's calling into the show. <laughs> what? Wait, someone's calling in. How do they know that we're having a show? I didn't tell anyone we were recording now. Only you and I know we're recording. Hello? Who is this? I am the genie! (laughs) (laughs) Oh my! The genie has made an appearance on the show! He's got your cell number, too. Okay. Go ahead, Ryan. Ask the genie to make your Henry Ruggs wish come true. Go ahead. Genie, I I see a world that Henry Ruggs immediately vacuums up at least minimum, bare minimum, 100 targets, Genie. Year one, rookie season, COVID era football. I see it. I want it. I need it. Genie, talk to me right now. Give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so upset. He didn't, uh, he didn't, he didn't like it, Matt. Uh, Oh, he just dropped. He just dropped off the line. (sighs) Poor signaler or something. Yeah. Were you satisfied with? Yeah, we could, uh, we could put this one to bed. The the, the genie has spoken of a once in a lifetime appearance on the Sonic Truth Dynasty pod. The genie showed up to uh, laugh at my henry ruggs projections brilliant just just this is what this is what they sign up for kelly think about the irony of brian edwards outproducing henry ruggs in las vegas while kj hamler outproduces jerry judy in denver Mm. that the superior value field stretcher was actually available in the third round of dynasty rookie drafts in kj hamler what if both alabama rookies Get outproduced by fellow rookies not from Alabama. How perfect would that be? I, I, I really and, and we've talked a little bit about Jerry Judy before, but I, I really gotta know, Kelly, what is your what is your stance on Drew Locke? Are you are you all in on Drew? Are you that confident in Drew Locke that he's gonna support? No. What? No. I think Drew Locke is the ultimate GPP play. If you're in a best ball tournament <laughs> that better in a best ball, right. Right. You throw a dart on Drew Locke. Otherwise, you run and hide. I mean, that's the name of the show. Drew Locke, run and hide. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. Right? I mean, you, I mean, that's it. It's possible, right? It's possible. Just like it's possible that Henry Ruggs gets 100 targets, it's possible that, that Drew Locke is an, an efficient professional quarterback. I just don't like the chances of that happening. I think it's a low probability play. 
But KJ Hamler is a skill match with Drew Locke in a way that Henry Ruggs is not a match with Derek Carr. And the easiest way to get on the field is blazing speed. I think that Henry Ruggs will see the field a lot. He's going to get more snaps than Brian Edwards. I'm just not convinced he'll get more targets. Now, KJ Hamler could get fewer snaps than Jerry Judy, but he could be more productive in fantasy football because he catches deep passes from Drew Locke and scores touchdowns and has more fantasy-relevant weeks because of it, even with lower volume. That's very possible. And so you're, you're, you're leaning towards Drew Locke, given his uh, you know, willingness to go downfield a little more than, say, Derek Carr. Yeah. Yeah, he's willing to blindly throw the ball downfield into traffic. He has more danger plays than money throws last year. Drew Locke is completely terrifying. But because Drew Locke is terrifying, I like K.J. Hamler. K.J. Hamler is the best value pick in the third round of Dynasty Rookie Drafts. I'm willing to take him in the late second. It's the same with Adam Troutman. He's the best value fourth rounder. I'm willing to take him in the third round. I have more Hamler and Troutman than I do any other player in dynasty rookie drafts because it's just auto pick every time in third and fourth round with these guys you like hamler because he's got colorado Jameis winston throwing him the ball that's right i like hamler i think hamler's a better value in dynasty right now than jerry judy what do you think about justin jefferson is it possible that justin jefferson is the clyde edwards hilaire of wide receivers from this draft class that he is overrated because the system propped him up is that possible, or is he just Reggie Wayne? Is he the one guy from that system that you can trust this year, other than Edward Solaire because he's on Kansas City? Right. You got we got we got to unpack a couple different things here. Number one, where does your trust lie in Kirk Cousins? Number two, Kirk Cousins is the anti Drew Locke. You know, a lot of fantasy gamers think Drew Locke is better than Kirk Cousins, right? And they're every kind of wrong. <laughs> How many different kinds of wrong are there? I mean, every kind. Multiple wrongs. I mean, we should get the genie back on. No, don't. Let's not. Let's not call the genie. Every kind of wrong. The second box we have to check here, Kelly. You like Kirk Cousins? Do you? How much do you trust? You know, this whole Dalvin Cook backfield situation. The the Vikings want to run, and they want to run a lot. Does that that should probably factor in? They do. Well, fortunately, Justin Jefferson has a clear path to the number two wide receiver chair. He does. There's not a target magnet in the backfield. There's not a target magnet at tight end. You have a target magnet in Adam Thielen. And whoever is number two on the target totem pole, and the number two position on the target totem pole is wide open. That's why I love Justin Jefferson. And, you know, I'm in a league where I drafted Rager and Jefferson back-to-back in the late first round. The problem is I had three picks in a row, and with the third pick, I took Keyshawn Vaughn over Ruggs which is looking like a catastrophic blunder. And the killer was, it's my most important league. My home league with my friends on Reality Sports Online. The rookie draft on Reality Sports Online, is, it's critical to get running backs, especially on Reality Sports Online, because so much running back production happens early in their career that it's just like the NFL in that you want running backs on rookie deals. So I was even more incentivized to go get Keyshawn Vaughn for that reason. Like... Reality sports is awesome. It really does mimic the NFL general manager experience better than any other fantasy draft platform, especially Dynasty. So go to Reality Sports Online now, enter the promo code UNDERWORLD, get 10% off a league, get 10% off your team, 
there's still time to move your dynasty league to where fantasy's getting real. RealitySportsOnline.com. Listen, I wish I had more Henry Ruggs, okay? I do. Do you want to call into the genie? Do you want to make that wish official? I like Henry Ruggs. I like Henry Ruggs. I'm just not sure that he's not going to be a decoy based on coach speak because I've seen this Derek Carr movie before. And this is why athleticism matters, and this is why player profiler exists. Because you'd have questions about Justin Jefferson, but then you go and see, oh, he had a 22% college target share. In that offense with those weapons to command that target share is impressive. He had an early breakout, and he had 80th percentile speed and burst, which makes him a more athletic version of Reggie Wayne in the player profiler database. When you look at the comps of Reggie Wayne and Jeremy Macklin and Roddy White, you go down the list, it's just hit after hit after hit after hit. Justin Jefferson looks like a target hog slot flanker at the NFL level based on his comps, and that's what I'm going to trust. He has much better comps than Jalen Rager. Jalen Rager has a higher year one ceiling because he could easily move into the number one wide receiver chair in Philadelphia paired with Carson Wentz, and they're going to throw the ball a lot more in Philadelphia than they will in Minnesota. So the boom year one upside for Jalen Rager is enticing. But in the long run, Justin Jefferson should surpass him because they are on opposite ends of the spectrum where all Justin Jefferson's comps are success stories, and there are few, if any, success stories that are comparable to Jalen Rager based on the production and the athletic profile. But I still like both. I still like both, and I still like them both better than Henry Ruggs. <laughs> I just keep walking into this stuff, man. This is this is why, Matt, this is why Nate gets upset, Matt. This is why, Nate gets upset, you know. <laughs> Let's get the genie back on. Fuck Henry Ruggs! <laughs> The genie came back on. I've, I've lost it. Do you have any thoughts on T. Higgins? What about T. Higgins? He's wearing number 85, which is cool as hell in Cincinnati. Um, you know, John Ross is is climbing back up. John Ross, we hope for a success story. Still, they still got Tyler Boyd. Ooh. Why not John Ross? John Ross is not dead yet. I qualify for truther status on John Ross. As you should. As we all should. John Ross is a good player. Injuries, man. Injuries suck. Can't predict injuries. Hope he's healthy. We're told he's healthy. Let's let's cook with a new quarterback under center. Got Tyler Boyd. Report came out yesterday that A.J. Green is looking like A.J. Green in, in, in camp. So I'm not surprised by that at all. A.J. Green's only 32 years old. Big deal. Really good player. So the, the answer to T. Higgins is that, much like Justin Jefferson, it's probably more of a longer-term play. Can I ask you a question? Why... Our fantasy gamers treating AJ Green like he's 35 years old. I don't understand. He's only 32. There's a big difference between age 32 and age 35. He's pre-cliff. AJ Green is still pre-cliff. I imagine it has a lot to do with just the gap of time that's passed since he was last, you know, on a football field. You know, we we haven't we haven't seen him in, in, in quite some games, and now he's coming back. It's a long time, a season and a half. But in that last season. 2018, in his last productive season, he was a top 20 fantasy wide receiver, 16.6 fantasy points per game in 2018 on a bad team with bad quarterback play 
and no protection for Andy Dalton. So if he puts up 16.6 fantasy points per game this year with a seasonal league ADP slot 80 being drafted in round 7, round 8, yes, please. A.J. Green also a value in Dynasty. He's a guy you go get in Dynasty to go win your league this year. We want to win our Dynasty League. And A.J. Green is one of the better Dynasty rentals I've seen in my time in this business. Because of that, the presence of A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd and that John Ross is going to be on the field, if for no other reason than to be a decoy, he's going to run those routes. It precludes T. Higgins from making an impact in year one. That's why I have no T. Higgins in Dynasty. I'll go ahead and pick him up this season at some point, right? Why not? It's a smart play. In the second round, he was being drafted aggressively, and I just couldn't get him. I do like T. Higgins. I mean, rated number four in this class on the breakout finder. The breakout finder likes T. Mm -hmm. Higgins, even though he lacks size-adjusted athleticism. Size-adjusted athleticism is not as predictive as a number of production metrics, including dynamic score and level of competition and teammate score, metrics where... T. Higgins rated very highly. Those metrics on Breakout Finder matter. So T. Higgins is a guy you need to start looking at acquiring after the season starts. You know who number two is on the Breakout Finder? LaVisca? Yeah, baby! Want to talk about LaVisca today? LaVisca Chenault's breakout rating is surprisingly close to C.D. Lamb. Why? He has the size. We know him to be an exceptional athlete. Now, the breakout finder doesn't even know. The breakout finder doesn't even know how athletic LaVisca Chenault is because LaVisca Chenault had an irritated pubic membrane or some strange injury I'd never heard of at the combine, but he decided to run the 40 anyway, and it was embarrassing, and he never should have ran, and he should have fired his agent. The breakout finder has no idea how explosive LaVisca Chenault is and still thinks that Chenault is a screaming value in the second round of Dynasty rookie drafts. The issue with Chenault is, again, goes back to what you and I were talking about, Washington and landing spots. Jacksonville, there's not much sexy about the Jaguars' offense. Now, Chenault makes up for a lot of that, given the way he plays. He's built like a running back. In the open field, yards after the carry, yards after the catch, he's just he's hard to take down. He's a big boy. Didn't you compare him to Corderell Patterson pre-draft? Mm, maybe. Is Nate going to come back and surface that? He might. As a cold take five years from now? Is Nate going to play gotcha on your LaVisca Chenault position from early 2020? And I, I should have known a lot better, if not only just for the brand, because of how much the model likes him, still likes him, as you said. And I you know, still went with what I saw, my gut feeling, and I was on the opposite side of that. And you, I believe I was on a pod with you and Nate, and you two both looked at me. And you guys laughed when I told you how I felt about LaVisca. I might have had him outside the top 10 initially or something like that. And you guys really gave me a, a, a boatload of shit. Oh, 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 Genie's calling back in. He has something to say about your LaVisca Chenault pre-draft take. I've changed, Genie. I've changed. <laughs> Ryan Loops. Ryan Lopes, <laughs> you'll be sorry. Yeah, I 
I did my best to to walk it back to a more reasonable uh, spot, but certainly uh, you gentlemen are higher than uh, on him than I am. The breakout finder finder certainly is, and I, I put a lot of I put a lot of onus into that. It, it matters. So Chenault is interesting for a lot of the reasons you outlined, a lot of the reasons that that I just mentioned. Uh, I Jacksonville just stinks, buddy. It's just it's not it's not where we want Chenault. It's not where we want him. One of the best dynamic scores in the class. 110 targets and over 1,000 yards in a sophomore season in only nine games as a sophomore. You know how much I love, I love, 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 love a productive sophomore season. The breakout finder loves LaVisca Chenault, so the podfather loves LaVisca Chenault. day for fantasy football and for fantasy football analysis dark day dark day the lead analyst over at fantasy pros and the co-host of the fantasy pros podcast one of the biggest podcasts in all of fantasy football my rival is just going up in flames He's going up in flames. We are watching cancel culture do its job. Cancel culture has a, has a role, has a role of surfacing bad behavior. It can go too far, right? Clearly, could be overzealous by definition, but cancel culture has a role. So this Bobby Sylvester stalking women online, making threatening videos, sending sexually charged, highly inappropriate direct messages. He's a scumbag, right? He's a scumbag. It's just that we don't see a lot of scumbags hosting the most popular podcasts in all of fantasy football. Like, yeah, there's thousands and thousands of scumbags out there. It's just that they don't usually host you know, industry-leading podcasts. But then again, it is fantasy pros. So I'm shocked and yet not surprised. Right? I'm, it's shocking. And then you see, oh, fantasy pros. You're like, oh, yeah. See, that's, that's it. See? 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 Here's an excerpt from the... Bobby Sylvester DMs. You'll be glad to accept this message. Make good money. And 200K who listen to my podcast think I'm funny. And I know how to tease a pussy real good. 
shoulder shrug emoji. What? Why? Like, wh- what? So that's just creep behavior. <laughs> like, just, whoa! <laughs> oh, slow down, dude! Bobby Sylvester does not know how courting works. So how courting works is you need to be cool. And you need to be funny. And charming. And witty. And then it'll just happen. Women will be drawn to you. And you'll find yourself in fulfilling relationships. That's how normal people get together. They don't throw out pussy-teasing solicitations in someone's DMs who doesn't even know you. Like, it's just stupid, right? It's just stupidity that is borderline unstable. I don't know what's happening with him. I just know that to cancel Bobby Sylvester is righteous and here's why if you break the law and you go to jail and you get out of jail you should be able to make a living you should be able to earn a wage you should be able to build yourself back up in your chosen profession no one should be able to take that away from you arbitrarily and Whether or not Bobby Sylvester sent messages that were so threatening that they they rise to the place of a crime, I don't know. But he will serve a punishment. And those that are anti-cancel culture will say, well, the punishment doesn't fit the crime. It's too much punishment. He's already been smeared enough by this entire scandal. His reputation has already been damaged to the point that He's more than fulfilled his penance to society. And I would say no. I would say no. And this is the cross that the public figure has to bear. There is a difference between a public figure and a civilian. Someone who is not the public face of a franchise in a sport or the face and voice of an organization you're at a higher standard, right? If you're in the performing arts, you're held to a higher standard because you are the public face. You can commit crimes against society, pay your debt to society in the form of prison or banishment, and then return, but to a lesser role. You have to start from scratch. And organizations are well within their rights and just in saying to that person, you can have a life. You can be fulfilled now that you have served your time. But you're never allowed to be the public face of anything. You're never allowed to speak on behalf of an organization. You're never allowed to be an example that others would follow. Like you've lost that privilege. Like that door was open to you as it's open to all of us, especially those of us that have public speaking ability, for example. 
if you misbehave, that is a door that is going to shut properly. Organizations are well within their, not just well within their rights, they're incentivized to just take a vaudevillian cane and just yank that person off the stage forever. Forever. Some punishments are forever. Some toothpaste cannot be put back in the tube. You cannot sexually harass women and keep your job in the Today Show. You can't do that. You're not allowed to do that. You could do something else. You can be involved in production behind the scenes. You can come back in a lesser role. Sure. Yes. If I were running an organization and an individual who was competent but was expelled from society for some reason or another because they uh, disrespected someone in a way that was egregious, committed a crime against someone's person or property, then I make the judgment call. Has this person rehabilitated themselves and I can probably find a role where they can be fulfilled and they can send value back to my organization and it can be a win-win for everybody. And we don't have that person in locked in a downward spiral until they implode socially and cause even more damage than the original sin or the original crime. So we must have the superstructure in place so that these people have a place to go and can be fulfilled, but not in front of microphones, not in front of cameras, not on Twitter speaking on behalf of Fantasy Pros, not on a podcast as the voice of Fantasy Pros. That's not something that's in Bobby Sylvester's range of outcomes. And... Those that are active on social media, surfacing these concerns, bringing them to the attention of uh, Fantasy Pros management, whoever the hell that is, maybe they're not paying attention. Maybe that person is not active on Twitter. Because do you know who the CEO of Fantasy Pros is? No. I happen to be one of the few CEOs of a renowned organization in fantasy football that anyone knows that actually puts his face out there. Most of these CEOs are just anonymous. They're the money guy. They're just looking for clicks at all costs. And that has been the fantasy pros culture for as long as I've been in this business. Four years ago, I said, we are boycotting fantasy pros. The question is, why aren't your rankings on fantasy pros? Fuck fantasy pros. They don't even pay the rankers. They, they view it as a privilege to put your rankings on Fantasy Pros. You have to apply to have your rankings. I have to apply? You should be soliciting me. You should be paying me. I'm sending you rankings and you're sending me nothing? Oh, yeah. Oh, we send you traffic. Yeah, we send you clicks, right? They're the click mafia of fantasy football. They always have been. And the leadership at Fantasy Pros doesn't care about fantasy football at all. They're not involved in the industry at all. You don't see them at conferences. They're not active on social media. They don't appear on podcasts. 
I went on a podcast for two plus hours with Nick Ercolano just talking about the business of building a fantasy football business, a fantasy football brand. I want to engage with this community because I value it. The CEOs of some organizations don't value you. They don't value the larger community which they operate. They are just there to siphon clicks and dollars. Just siphon clicks and dollars. It is just cool, cold, clinical rationale behind their business decisions. Where articles get plagiarized, fine. Data gets scraped, fine. We don't scrape data here. We don't plagiarize. We don't repost someone else's work and pawn it off as our own. No, but these have been accusations levied at Fantasy Pros for years. Matthew Barry has complained about Fantasy Pros on multiple occasions. Anyone I talk to in the industry has a story about Fantasy Pros somehow ripping them off. Whether it's an idea, whether it's content, whether it's a tool, whatever it is. And to this day, I have... Zero relationship with Fantasy Pros. Zero. Zero. So this year, right, just this year alone, we've seen that four or five years ago, we made the decision on the website to just call it Washington. Just call it Washington. Why? For ethical reasons. Ethical reasons. Just Washington. That's it. That's it. Just a moral compass guiding the way. And the same has been true for all these years with Fantasy Pros. And you're seeing the culture manifest. It's not a coincidence that a man wired like Bobby Sylvester ends up at Fantasy Pros. Because culture permeates. If all you care about is clicks at all costs, the humanity and the purpose is drained away from the organization. And you end up with these child soldiers leading the way like Bobby Sylvester. They are a plague across so many organizations. And as men, we know Bobby Sylvester, right? We, we know Bobby Sylvester because we've all had dark thoughts about women or men, whatever our sexual orientation is. The men that I know, and I'm including myself, there's this drive for sexual conquest, for achievement that you just don't see that type of zealous behavior on those fronts in, in women. You just don't. And it's why women are better. It's why I prefer my leaders to be women, especially leading an organization or, uh, anything political that requires empathy. I have like an empathy gauge. How much empathy is required to run this organization? If it's high, I'd rather have a woman running it because men have to fight these impulses that can be hugely detrimental if they remain unchecked. And it, the most successful men in this world either control these impulses with such fortitude that 
they're just the coolest guys. They're just the coolest. They're the top of the they're the top of the heap, right? They're George Clooney cool, right? And there are others that channel those in a way that they use them as fuel and don't suppress them. Like a Donald Trump, for example, right? There's plenty of those. A Matt Lauer. There's plenty of those guys out there, too. Those are the creeps. But a lot of these creeps, they achieve because they use it as fuel. This testosterone can be used as fuel, but it can also be used for self-destruction, as we saw with Bobby Sylvester. And this is a, a general difference between men and women is women are better at seeing the point of view of others. They are more controlled with their emotions like that. That is the greatest fallacy in terms of what is viewed as common sense is anything but women are not more emotional. Men are emotional. Right. What, what Bobby Sylvester is doing is his emotions are running wild and he doesn't have any ability to control these instincts. And he's just like, hey, I want to tease your pussy. What? You're not allowed. If you can't control those impulses, you're not allowed to be on a podcast, bro. There are other jobs in society we can find for you, but you're going to get canceled, correctly canceled, and you're going to get reassigned. And maybe, maybe if I were fantasy pros, here's what I would do. I would have a female host. How about that? I think they need a woman host. That's what I think fantasy pros these days. They need to replace Bobby Sylvester with a woman because it's just heartbreaking to me to see one of the plagues of this industry that nobody talks about. The dirty secret of this industry, the fantasy football industry, is the demographic secret, the open demographic secret that by far and away, my audience is dominated by men so much so that it makes me uncomfortable. And then I see this behavior by Bobby Sylvester. And I'm like, yes, this is why I'm uncomfortable. I do not like nor want a 99.9% .9 male audience. It's not healthy. You need women and men together. An all-male civilization is bad. An all-female civilization is bad. You want mixed company that are respectful and in control of their emotions and their impulses. That's what we call a civil society. And it's great when it's working harmonious. It's great. And the problem with fantasy football is we can't have that as long as it's 99.9% .9 men because you're going to have this misogyny. There's a greater percentage of misogyny in fantasy football because there's such a high percentage of men in this audience. And all Bobby Sylvester is doing is making it worse. That's why I was so angry. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? We have a problem with women already. Damn you. So he's making fantasy pros look bad. He's making all of us look bad. So I will watch Twitter, social media do its canceling. They're going to have to. I mean, no one's going to sponsor the fantasy pros podcast. So he's the, the moment the sponsors plug. That's it, right? It's it's not putting pressure on fantasy pros. It's. Social media and the the inspired uh, men and women on social media are 
going to reach the sponsors of Fantasy Pros, and then that will trickle down and affect Bobby Sylvester's role in that organization. I'm not saying fire him. I'm just saying get him off the air. That he's lost any standing in the community. And to be the voice of an organization, you need standing. You need to be respected. You need prestige. And he has none. Like he need, He's just... He's hit the reset button on his entire career. And happens to a lot of people. It happens to some people that get caught with a fraction of an ounce of drugs. They have to hit the reset button in their career. What Bobby Sylvester did was even worse than possessing drugs. So, hey, this shit happens, man. You're getting canceled. It was a righteous cancelization. Thanks a lot, future Nate. <laughs> oh, no. Poor Nate, man.